Telnet News Digest, 27th of April 3307. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, cloning commanders causes concern. The Emperor who backed a republic. Opposition grows to federal arrests. Don't forget your fuel scoop. Ethical concerns have been raised over the cloning of large numbers of actual commanders for the fourth and final part of the Odyssey Galaxy Simulator testing programme. Having successfully concluded the first three parts of the test, the commanders created during the testing have been humanely euthanized and will be recycled into a tasty and nutritious green snack. Some human rights campaigners have expressed their concerns over the short lives these test commanders lived, but the Pilots' Federation has explained that although their lives were short, they were given lots of interesting things to do, and their brief lives were fulfilling. Climbing the Wall of Death Getting into each other's SRVs Failing to surf a Cobra into orbit Attempting to drive SRVs along the slightly too narrow roads in settlements Vultures on fire in the Pegasi sector, the sand glittering on the dark moons of a Ditian C9. All those moments, the brief friendships, have been lost in time, like missions that couldn't be completed because they were bugged. Time to cry. In frustration. Now, the Pilots' Federation is repeating the exercise for a further week of testing, starting within a few hours, but this time it's making cloned copies of real commanders. These commanders will have the same memories, thoughts and feelings as the real commanders, and they won't even be aware that they're clones. They'll have their spaceships, all of them, not just one as initially planned, and they'll live their brief lives totally unaware that on the 5th of May they'll return to the clay from which they were made or rather, into more of that delicious green snack that commanders just can't get enough of. The initial plan was that these clones would have a brief two-day lifespan, but this has been extended to a week after campaigning organisations successfully argued that such a short life would be inhumane. The results of all this testing on cloned human subjects will be revealed on the 19th of May, when commanders, real commanders, not clone commanders, will finally be allowed to get up and walk about. Unless, of course, they're using the PS or Xbox flight control systems, which will be modified to work with legs over the coming months. The revelation yesterday that would-be Emperor Hadrian Duval may be behind the revolutionary wing of the militant Republican movement, known as the Neo-Marlinist Liberation Army, has caused confusion among those who like logical explanations. Hadrian Duval's first, some might say only, objective in life is to become Emperor of the Empire of Achenar, so backing a political group that seeks to abolish the role of Emperor completely and have elected rather than hereditary senators might seem a less than shrewd move. Hadrian, whose surname at birth was Jansen, styles himself Imperator, after Imperator Caso Modanticus, the power-hungry imperial duke who tried to take advantage of Hadrian's blood ties to the late Emperor Hengis to make a play for the imperial throne. Duke Mordanticus was executed in 3305, but Hadrian escaped justice and was recently believed to have been reconciled with the imperial family, the Duvals, with Princess Ashling successfully pleading his cause. Has Ashling really aided the man who killed her father? 
Can it really be that isolationist, imperial traditionalist and hardliner Hadrian Duval has really thrown in his lot with the Republicans? Is he a scapegoat? Or, perhaps more likely, is he being framed by imperial authorities to justify wiping the remains of his inconvenient Nova Imperium faction off the face of the galaxy? With Hadrian accused, there are still NMLA members on the loose and ready to cause trouble. The arrest of Hadrian, if and when it happens, provides an excuse for further caustic enzyme fireworks. The galaxy had better be on its guard. Opposition to the Domestic Counter-Terrorism Act is growing stronger as further arrests of students and other alleged activists continue. The Act and the Proactive Detection Bureau it enshrines in law use automated systems to intercept and monitor electronic communications within the Federation, and then to arrest anyone suspected of harbouring seditious thoughts. With the extension of the Bureau's remit that has just been announced, there are concerns that the Federation might be turning into a police state, with independent thoughts and opinions banned by law. Pilots Federation members are growing concerned that there might be a community goal to gather private data and turn it in to the Federal authorities. Yes, it would pay well, but could it be morally justified? In other community goal news, Archon Delane has announced that his five new Orbis starports will be operational from Thursday, expanding the reach of the Kumo crew and painting targets on the backs of the very commanders who facilitated the programme by shipping in vast amounts of building materials. And Aegis Research is believed to be working on new Guardian weapons technology using the Guardian materials supplied by so many independent commanders. Like Archon Delane's appeal, this appeal has ended early, with the required 400,000 assorted Guardian artefacts delivered in less than six days. The excitingly named Commander Kaboom has flown all the way to Beagle Point without a fuel scoop. Journalists covering the case became a little confused by this, explaining that Commander Kaboom achieved his feat without equipping a single fuel scoop. A single fuel scoop being, in fact, the maximum number of fuel scoops you can equip. But it was a worthwhile voyage. Setting out on an exploration trip one day, a little absent-mindedly, Commander Kaboom had already travelled nearly 10,000 light-years before he noticed he'd completely forgotten to equip a fuel scoop. And he wasn't going to turn around and drive all the way home for it, not with Commander Mrs. Kaboom in the passenger seat, just waiting to say, I told you so, so he pressed on. Commanders have previously managed to fly from the bubble to Colonia without a fuel scoop, by filling the ship with fuel tanks, jumping in economical mode, and generally being awesome. Commander Kaboom, who was by this time completely lost on the Colonia Highway, was pretty sure he'd missed the turning for the last gas station before Jacques Station hit upon a wizard wheeze at this point. There are mobile gas stations everywhere in the galaxy now. If you wait long enough, one of them is sure to come along in a minute. Or an hour. Or two. Or a bit longer. Waiting sometimes for up to two weeks for an obliging fleet carrier with refuelling facility to come within striking distance. Commander Kaboom! <laughs> seized the opportunity to deny he was lost, 
filled it with fuel and pressed onwards. Andy kept going. Rather than stop at Colonia, our intrepid commander kept going in a straight line, still afraid to admit to command... <laughs> took Commander Mrs. Kaboom that he was now completely and totally lost and had been holding his map upside down. Commander Kaboom finally reached the furthest system from Sol on the furthest side of the galaxy, Isham's Reach. Even at this last opportunity to save himself, Commander Kaboom boldly and entirely incorrectly asserted that he knew where he was now and continued supercruising out into the dark emptiness of space beyond the outermost reaches of the galaxy. It is likely that we will hear no more from Commander Kaboom for some time to come. Having created this precedent for slightly dodgy first commander to do something without a fuel scoop but still be willing to refuel at fleet carriers' records, the fuel rats are bracing themselves for a flurry of new record attempts for things like first person to beagle point in a stock sidewinder without a fuel scoop but with 6,000 fuel rat callouts. The possibilities seem endless. But of course... Anyone can get from the bubble to Beagle Point in a stock sidewinder and no fuel scoop with no trouble at all. All you need to do is land on the right fleet carrier. And wait. And we're just getting news that the first person to travel from Seoul to Beagle Point without even owning a ship is already making their plans. Hitching rides, hopping from ship to ship on the surface of distant planets, teaming up with commanders from all over the galaxy. If they set out on May the 19th, the so-called physical multi-crew explorers could be at Beagle Point by Friday the 21st. That, of course, is if they don't find themselves floating alone in the darkness of space, when the ship they're in jumps to the next system without them. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> 